Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. And uh, today we have two readings of scripture. The first one is Psalm 107 verses 1 to 22, and then the second one will be 1 Corinthians 1, 4 to 9. So Psalm 107, 1 to 22. You might like to open your Bibles in readiness for the sermon, but you may actually want to simply listen first. I find that listening opens us up in a different way to the Scriptures. Uh, So listen to the whole passage, but also Listen for some word or phrase that God may want to impress on your mind particularly as important for you to hear today. So let's begin. Psalm 107, 1 to 22. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands, from east to west, from north and south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despise the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labour. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down the gates of bronze and cuts through bronze bars of iron. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then... They cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 4 to 9. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, 
God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks, thanks be to God. Morning, everyone. Morning. So uh, giving thanks in a mess. Um, the last uh, few years have been pretty tough, haven't they? And uh, um, we were reminded a few moments ago that this is our first, second semester on campus since 2019. It's quite something, isn't it, to say that? Uh, I'm sure you've gone through your own experience of the last few years in your own way. I, I kind of went through disappointment, having to cancel all my plans in 2020, and I wrote an article about that, um, getting Bonhoeffer's help. And then I had anxiety, and I uh, looked uh, to uh, Kierkegaard and wrote an article about that. And then uh, I was going to do despair in Martin Luther, but it just got too bad, so I <laughs> decided not to. Um, but certainly, uh, all of us have had difficulties in the last few years, and life does feel like it's a mess, and now we're facing a worldwide recession and increasing costs of living and all sorts of things are happening. Uh, it's not unprecedented in human history, though, and I think we should take that seriously and recognise that. Uh, in Psalm 90, there's a famous verse which talks about our lives last three score and ten years, to quote an old translation. My grandfather, whenever he had a birthday beyond 70, he'd say, well, I've passed my three score and ten, I won't be here much longer. And uh, um, he lasted well into his 80s, I'm <laughs> glad to say. But the re I was reading, I try and read a psalm a day, and I read Psalm 90 the other day, and this is what it said in verse 10. I hadn't noticed the second half of the verse. Our lives last 70 years. Or, if we are strong, 80 years. Even the best of them are struggle and sorrow. Wow. Struggle and sorrow. Uh, how the psalmist described life. And, and life through human history, uh, that's a good description. Pandemics, there's nothing uh, that unusual about the pandemic of the last few years, which sadly is continuing to some extent. Um, you can talk to Reese, I'm sure, and he'll give you some gory details. But the only thing that's a bit unusual is the speed with which it's spread around the world in our globalised age. Now, the Bible helps us in many ways with the challenges, the difficulties, the mess of life. Uh, Reece, uh, Jill, rather, uh, preached an excellent sermon last week on moving from praise to lament. And lament is a legitimate thing for God's people to do when we're in trouble. And I was really helped by that. Today, I want to reflect on another big biblical theme of relevance, which is that of giving thanks. So it's actually a command in 1 Thess 5, 16, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And certainly it's a big idea in the Bible, giving thanks. The uh, reading that Helena gave us from Psalm 107 talks several times, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, verse 1, verse 8. Let God's people give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. Then you've got a refrain repeated. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. And then down in verses 21 and 22, let them sacrifice thank offerings. 
And the New Testament repeats that theme. So in Romans 1, you've got a really striking um, condemnation of those who reject God's revelation as they do not glorify God or give thanks. You think giving thanks is a pretty mundane, ordinary thing, but apparently that's, that's a mark of, of the ungodly. In Colossians 3, 15 to 17, Paul says it three times, be thankful, sing with gratitude, give thanks to God the Father. So uh, we are to give thanks, and I confess I'm personally, uh, presently, uh, having some trouble feeling grateful. So my question is, how do we give thanks when things are a bit of a mess? And the other passage that was read to us is helpful on, in this regard. So turn to 1 Corinthians 1, uh, verses 4 to 9. It's Paul's opening thanksgiving, his introductory thanksgiving. Uh, Paul has introductory thanksgivings, thanksgivings in all of his letters to churches bar one, uh, it was the letter to the Galatians when he wasn't in a particularly grateful mood. <laughs> but uh, it's interesting, the fact we have a thanksgiving here is quite remarkable because the Corinthian church was in a big mess. Uh, they were divided, uh, lording uh, one uh, minister over another, one Christian worker, uh, kind of d- uh, dividing up into factions. There was sexual immorality among them, some of them were taking each other to court. Some of them were accused of idol worship. Some of them didn't believe in the bodily resurrection. They were fighting about spiritual gifts. Some were wondering about their marital status, married, single, divorced, and uh, engaged. And uh, there's probably a famine going on. So uh, there is not much reason to give thanks, you'd think, but Paul nonetheless does. And there are four things I think that God teaches us about thanksgiving from this passage that I hope will be of help to each of us. The first thing is the obvious point, namely that even in a mess, we are to give thanks. Uh, Paul was well aware of their painful and unhappy circumstances and difficulties. And the passage, as was read to us, is nonetheless very positive and confident which is really quite striking. It's it's even more striking that Paul thanks God for one of the things that's causing them a problem, namely their gifts. He says that, uh, I thank God that you're enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and all knowledge. Paul often speaks about God's generosity in his thanksgiving. Uh, In the openings of letters, he talks about the fullness of, of God's gifts, the abundance of God's gifts. Here he talks about being enriched. And that's the only place in Paul's letters where he does this to any extent. And you wonder if the Corinthians were kind of uh, using that language of themselves proudly and Paul takes it and redefines it. But certainly Paul does think that all believers are rich. In 2 Corinthians he says, we know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor so that we through his poverty might become spiritually rich. And Paul describes his apostolic ministry as making many rich. Now, some commentators, uh, commentaries I don't recommend on the letter, um, reckon that probably Paul's being sarcastic here. So basically what he's saying is, I thank God that you've been endowed with these spiritual gifts. Yeah, right. (laughs) 
Yeah? And he's kind of mocking them at the beginning of the letter. And I don't think that, that that's what's happening here. On a closer look, you can see that Paul is boasting about what God has done for them in Christ. So it's not really about the Corinthians' behaviour here that he's thanking God. It's about what God has done. And you can see that through a point of grammar. So those of you learning Greek and Hebrew will be excited at this point. Remember the passive voice uh, where the agent of the action is not named. And in many cases, the agent of the action is God. It's called the divine passive. So if you look at verse 4, they were, uh, grace was given to them, passive verb, by God. Uh, verse 5, they've been made rich by God. The testimony about Christ was confirmed among them, verse 6, by God. They were called into fellowship with Jesus Christ, verse 9, by God. So God is the reason that uh, uh, Paul is giving thanks. Uh, sometimes it's important also to note with these thanksgivings what Paul doesn't say. He rehearses the achievements of God on their behalf. But in other thanksgivings, he thanks God for their faith, hope, love and work, uh, which is uh, kind of absent here. Nonetheless, even though they are in disarray, in a mess, Paul underscores here for us that we should give thanks to God. So what in particular should we give thanks for? Three things. The first is in verse 4, where Paul says it up front, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. So the grace of God is what Paul thanks God for. Yep. And it's not really his, uh, you know, how we normally define grace as his uh, uh, undeserved favour, his loving kindness, that kind of thing. It's more specific here. It's, it's about the fact that God took these filthy Gentiles and included them in the people of God and gave them a future with him and endowed them with gifts, etc. So it's, it's about their conversion that he's thanking God. Uh, I was the youngest cousin in uh, my small extended family and uh, every Christmas we'd go to my grandparents' place on my mother's side and uh, the three cousins would be there. They are all older than me and it was a bit embarrassing. They used to tease me relentlessly when I couldn't tell my right from my left. They, they, it, it, when I see them now, I still kind of feel a bit nervous. <laughs> and uh, I'd, I'd wait for the presents to be given. I was the eager, the most eager uh, sitting there and Auntie Betty would hand me her present and, you know, one year I'd open it up, it was a pair of socks. And what do you got to do with a gift? Got to give thanks. And it wasn't easy. <laughs> and uh, mum would say, Brian, say thanks to Auntie Betty. <laughs> so the key here, friends, is it's much easier to give thanks when you recognise the magnanimity, is that a word? Magnanimous gift, the greatness of the gift. And that's what Paul's doing for us here. He's re reminding us of this extraordinary gift that God has done for us and given to us by his grace. And the rest of the paragraph um, unfolds that, and as time permits, we'll look at it. So the grace of God is that in which, that in which we stand, as Paul says in Romans 5. It's the one thing that can't change, and it changes everything. And thanks is the appropriate response to the grace of God. Then in verses 5 to 7, Paul focuses specifically about their spiritual gifts as manifestations of God's grace. So 
So verse 4, the cause for giving thanks is quite general, but in verses 5 to 7, it's about their giftedness. And then the thanksgiving moves through three phases. In the past, they were given God's grace, verse 4. The gospel was confirmed among them, verse 6. In the present, they're amply supplied with the gifts of grace and they live in eager expectation of the return of Christ, verse 7. And in the future, they'll be kept blameless on that day. So Paul gives thanks for their conversion, the fact that they're now part of the people of God. Now, what about the gifts? Now, gifts is a kind of uh, difficult subject on campus, isn't it? Not not just because it's uh, occasionally controversial, but the fact that some people have more uh, impressive gifts than others. Yep. Some are really good at teaching and preaching and leading and strategizing. Some are good at showing mercy, encouraging, and so on. And it's very easy to lose sight of the purpose of the gifts. Now, normally I would say the purpose of the gifts is the common good, yes, serving the body of Christ, that's clear. But there's another reason for the gifts here. It's to confirm, to give evidence of your confirmation. The gifts confirm that you've been, you're you're a recipient of God's grace. If you get God's grace, you'll have a gift. And that's, that's the reason Paul is saying here we should give thanks. Not, not specifically for the gifts, but for the fact that they confirmed that the testimony of Christ was confirmed among them. Uh, verse 7 says that, doesn't it? Therefore, you do not lack in any spiritual gift uh, because in verse 6, God confirmed Paul's testimony, another way of talking about the gospel, about Christ among you. There's also a future element to Paul's thanksgiving here. And uh, in verse 7, he says, uh, in the second half of verse 7, we eagerly await for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Now, Paul's language of talking about the second coming is different in different parts of his letters. Sometimes he talks um, about uh, um, um, a coming of Christ, from which we get the word advent. Uh, Sometimes it's an appearing. Here it's a revelation. And it's interesting, Paul's Paul's gospel is really a revelation of the mystery of hidden things long ago. But he's not talking about that. He's talking about Jesus being revealed, the true identity of Jesus. Now, I haven't been to many musicals in my life. I went to see Hamilton recently. And uh, back in my day, there was something called Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. Uh, Mike's a musical fan. How does the song go, Jesus Christ Superstar? Uh, Close. (laughs) Who are you? What have you sacrificed? Maybe there's another song that says that. But but that's that's the question in in Jesus Christ Superstar. Who are you? It's really about the identity of Christ. And it, it doesn't come up with the greatest of answers. But at the revelation of Jesus Christ, the second coming, no one will doubt who Jesus Christ is. That's one of the things we look forward to. When the whole world will know who Jesus is and what he has sacrificed. And verse 8, on that day, we will be kept firm and we will be blameless at the very end. To the end is literally what it says in verse 8. It could could mean completely or it could mean to the very end, the last day, 
or you could go with a double sense, the Corinthians will be acquitted entirely on the last day. But it's certainly a good reason to give thanks, isn't it, friends? To be blameless on that day, to wait for it calmly and joyfully is a wonderful thing. Uh, Anthea McCall was a lecturer here for some years and uh, we had the uh, tragedy of her um, serious cancer diagnosis a few years ago. And Anthea typified this through the last years of her life, waiting calmly and joyfully for that day. And uh, we give thanks to God that she was such an example to us in that regard. So, friends, we give thanks to God even though we're in a mess. We give thanks to God for God's grace. Thirdly, the focus of our thanks is Jesus Christ. It's pretty simple, really, and hard to miss. Verse 9, the call of God is to fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So there's a lot of Christology packed in there. God's Son, Jesus, the Christ, our Lord. And uh, um, we won't have time to unpack it, but it's pretty exciting. Nonetheless, whereas you can define Christian existence according to what's happened or will happen to us, uh, the most comprehensive definition is about how we are in fellowship with, in communion with, in union with the Lord Jesus Christ now and in eternity. And that's, that's really what the whole paragraph, the opening um, 10 verses of the letter is about. Jesus appears in every verse, every verse from 1 to 10. Don't look now. He, uh, he uh, is mentioned. So the focus of our thanksgiving is the Lord Jesus. Now, you will have noticed that some of the things we give thanks for are in the future. Now, that can be a problem, can't it? So imagine the father who says to their uh, son or daughter, you know, I'm going to come to the game, I'll see you at the game, don't worry, I'll be turning up or I'll be there for your award at the, at the school uh, graduation and, and just never gets there, yeah? That, that's pretty bad, isn't it? That's not a cause to give thanks, looking forward to someone who's unreliable, who doesn't deliver on their word. So I think it's significant right at the end of our Thanksgiving, in verse 9 it says, God is reliable. God is faithful. And that's the reason we can give thanks. We give thanks for all the things I've mentioned because of the faithfulness of God. Deuteronomy 7 verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord is God, the faithful God. Paul says it again in chapter 10 of this letter. There's an ancient uh, benediction from the first century in the synagogues in the Haftarah which says, the faithful God who speaks and acts. That's the reason we can give thanks for these things in the future because God can be relied on to come good on his word. The character of God is the basis for our certain hope and grateful praise. We should give thanks even if things could be better. We should give thanks in response to the grace of God, his generous kindness in electing us and confirming us as his children. We give thanks most of all for Jesus and we can give thanks because of the faithfulness of God. So this little paragraph supplies some great definitions of what it means to be a Christian. A Christian is someone who's been given God's grace, verse 4. A Christian is someone who's been enriched with spiritual endowments, verses 5 to 7. 
A Christian is someone who eagerly awaits the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Verse 7. And who will be blameless without shame on that day. Verse 8. And who is in fellowship with God's Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. So a more impressive list of benefits would be difficult to compose. Little wonder they're framed in a thanksgiving. Uh, My first degree was in psychology. And in psychology, the uh, main focus back in my day was on, uh, uh, on pathology. So basically, abnormal psychology. When things went wrong for people, how do you fix them? What's actually wrong with them? How do you classify them? Et cetera. Yep. In recent decades, they've said, you know what? Maybe we should study the people who are actually flourishing and see what they're doing and learn from that to see how you can live Um, And they use the language of happiness. It's not a facile kind of superficial meaning. They mean uh, well-being, flourishing. Yep. And uh, so they've done that. And it's called positive psychology. It's a great discipline. One of the things, and Harvard University recently came out with a key finding on what makes people happy. And here it is. The people who are grateful feel happier. There you go. Pretty simple. And I quote, in positive psychology, this is what's always true of psychology, it's always the bleeding obvious, but but they get there eventually. Yep. (laughs) In positive psychology research, gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. Gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, relish good experiences, improve their health, deal with adversity, and build strong relationships. And then the Harvard Medical School recommends you do two things. Here they are. Keep a gratitude journal and count your blessings. That's the language. Yeah, count your blessings. Now, my question to the Harvard Medical School is this. If a blessing hasn't come from another person, who are you going to give thanks to? Yep. Am I going to thank the impersonal universe for blind fate and luck that got me this blessing? So Christians are actually in a much better position than anyone else to give thanks to God for his good gifts. He knows how to give give good gifts to his children. That's what the Lord Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. So, brothers and sisters, even in 2022, in a mess, which we are, let's face it, we have good reasons to give thanks. The amazing grace of God shown to us in our salvation. God's promised son, Jesus Christ, who reigns over all creation with whom we are in intimate relationship and the utter dependability and reliability of the God who guarantees it all. Amen.